Hi, Cole here, creator and narrator of The Town Whispers. It's been a long summer, but the leaves once again fall, and with autumn comes longer nights that beg for darker tales. And to fill those long, cold evenings, I've launched a brand new podcast called Tiny Terrors. Tiny Terrors is a nostalgic horror anthology series that is as fun as it is dark. Join three friends as they delve into a forgotten corner of storytelling history and bring to light the darker depths yet still hidden in those often untraveled corners. Subscribe, listen, and review Tiny Terrors wherever you listen to podcasts. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Town Whispers is a narrative horror podcast that will tell the many stories hidden behind the rain and the fog and the trees of a town called The Fort. Just as we started in this town, naive and unaware of all those things waiting to be seen, so too did Reverend Albert. But his ignorance is coming to an end. He's about to see much more than anyone before him. Listener discretion is advised. On the first night, as the rain fell, three young men appeared at the door of the church, rapping gently, seeking spiritual guidance. And the reverend had let them in. There he shared what little he had, 
choosing not to partake in the humble bounty himself and instead allowed the three young men to warm themselves as they unceremoniously ate stale bread, drank what sour wine was left being too foul even for the reverend to partake in, and huddled around the furnace, which the reverend attended to filling its iron belly with wet smoking wood. The flue was open, but still. The iron furnace belched out thin, leaking tendrils of smoke. As the hand of the clock ticked by, night passed unnoticed. The trio listened to Reverend Albert. They shared with Reverend Albert, and when the night was over, all four had not slept. As the sun rose, they took to the pews and fell asleep on the shallow, bare seats, just as James had, except now there were three three, and yet the sum of their parts could never equal the love he held for the orphan. The holy man, who looked over the three which lay in his pews as they passed out immediately from the exhaustion of the catharsis they'd all provided one another, felt feverish. His skin burned, his teeth ached, his head was splitting. His eyes bulged as a pressure pushed them from behind, but he was euphoric. Never in all his life had the words he'd spoken had the impact in the way they'd had the previous night. Yes, he was a practice orator, but they had always been hollow words. No matter how he prayed, the sacrifices he made, hollow words, every single one. When the second night arrived, there had been little time for sleep. With three young men repairing and cleaning and preening over the church, the reverend had little opportunity to escape to his private domain. How could he? These young men had come to confer with him and stayed to continue learning what it is he had to offer. The reverend himself also had much to learn. There was a wealth of untapped knowing within him. It wasn't a learned accumulation of facts and truths that would have been knowledge. Nor had it come from an epiphany. The epiphany was the words themselves as they came from him. They were as enlightening to the young man as they were to himself. It was simply a knowing. An unexplainable knowing. That made him feel like an imposter. He hadn't heard those words from another. He had heard them the first moment he uttered them. And that felt fraudulent. How strange to just know something was right without being told first it was truth as evident as water is wet. But without the leash of authority strung around its neck to be trotted about town like a sheep cut of moral cloth, it felt alien and fraudulent. More townsfolk came to join the three young men who had been quick to seek out the immutable truths the reverend had vaguely referenced in his sermon that Sunday. It wasn't a flood. It was only another two. A young boy this time and a girl around the age of 16. And of course there was the older widow who sat in the fourth row back from the pulpit each Sunday. But she didn't join them. It was too late for her. She'd placed her bets and made her pleas to on high. He could see she wanted to join, but she knew 
She would never be able to unlearn and let go of all the guilt and prejudice that she'd been imbibed with since she'd been a taunt pulling at her father's knee crying to be held. She stood at the doorway. The reverend raised a hand intending her to place hers in his so that he may usher her into his church. But with a look of resignation and tears for her own cowardice, she simply smiled and shook her head lately. No. The old widow who the reverend was ashamed and admittedly had never spoken with placed a pie dish in his outstretched hand with the cloth over top it instead. A shepherd's pie. That felt significant. It was a beautiful gesture, and one greatly appreciated. And as they partook in that shepherd's pie, those who had joined him felt supported in their choice to break free from the belief of their parents and dug in eagerly. Reverend Albert once more abstained and allowed his growing flock to fill themselves with this gift. He only needed words, the words that clawed from deep inside and rustled his lips into their articulations. On both the third and the fourth days following his curious sermon, the motley crew seeking salvation of a different flavor were joined by another two members, one on each day. An older man the reverend knew to be Mr. Kingsley, and then later his wife. By then, exhaustion had claimed Reverend Albert and he remained in his room at the back of the church, but as he woke periodically throughout the day from his dreamless sleep, he could hear one amongst his first three disciples begin to disseminate the knowledge they'd come to collectively gather from that well he had personally tapped. I had a father. He was wonderful, but he drowned a few years back. The river was running high like it does. A current sat under the surface, the kind that eats the beach, dragging it right into the middle of the water and down. That's what it did to my father. One moment he stood there. I closed my eyes, just a moment to rub them. And when I glanced back up, he was gone. He, he was just gone. Not so much as a peep or splash. He just, he just wasn't there. I thought Nature is cruel. The world is mean. The river is evil. I was so angry. I screamed and yelled and blamed my mother and myself. The river took him. And the woods didn't blink. The hills didn't sigh. The river just kept on rolling like he didn't mean a thing. But then spring came, and the river flooded the nearby fields and enriched the soil by leaving behind the silt and rotten bits of fish and whatever else it had hidden in its murk. It grew the corn and wheat tall, and everyone in town ate a little better because the river had given us that gift. Yes, had snatched my father from me, 
running fast and focused as it was with the autumn rain. And in the spring it fed me, swelled with the thaw in the mountains, flooding the fields. I wondered, long and hard, if it had thrown some chewed up and waterlogged piece of him in the fields which fed the corn and the wheat which I ate. That made me gag, and then I cried. Evil, how could it be anything other than that? I felt like every bite of bread was his flesh itself in, in my mouth. I would gag and starve myself, and then I stalked through the fields, all along the river, out past the boundaries of the fort, where the old pioneer farms fell into despair with the encroaching wildlife having pressured those first farmers and farmhands to settle closer to the fort. But I never found a piece of them. I know now that I never could have. Nature consumes in whole what it is owed, without prejudice and without malice. It is the imagined entropy and chaos of slumbering giants who never saw us coming, who never intended for us to be. We are alienated spawns of nothing, the children of nature. My father did more by dying than he ever could have by living. So many pitied me when he disappeared, an act of God they called it, or a force of nature. A force, like Napoleon's soldiers in their livery, as if it acts against us. There is no force, only manifested will and reaction, moment by moment, to its own intertwined existence. And that existence acts in our best interest. The universal equalizer. The Reverend's disciple ended his philosophical introspection, engaged the interest he had roused in his attentive listeners. Their eyes were wide. It was terrifying to them. But that impending sense of doom was a salve to their own traumas. Perhaps the Reverend should not have slept that night and well into the next day without rousing and encouraging the others to disperse until he could guide them once more as they pieced together their own theology. As Reverend Albert woke on the third day, he rose with a roaring yawn, stretching tall, sitting on the edge of his bed, the vertebrae up his back. All began to pop and click into place in one long cascading cord. He rubbed his eyes trying to shake the weariness from his heavy eyelids and walked out into the congregation hall. He had expected to see at the very least those first three boys which seemed to have made their makeshift home at the church, but it was empty. The floor was swept. The sills were dusted. Everything was in order, but the large room was filled with nothing but the silence of absence. It appeared the Reverend was alone at last. It was peaceful, and for a moment he felt a sigh of relief overtake him. Yes, it was exhilarating to have those select townsfolk listening to him, 
hanging on his every word, and the therapy of those discussions were uplifting despite the dark nature of the discourse. There was, however, a conflicting emotion or intrusive thought. It was exhausting, talking and consoling and listening and caring. It was an awful lot for a man so used to seclusion six days a week and used to the quiet of Heaven Hill. As he'd become more and more exhausted, unable to sleep with the constant discussion and in those quiet moments shuffling and idle coughs of bodies that filled the church, he had felt a singular moment of regret. Regret for having opened his mouth and regret for having inspired something in these people which had kept him company in his grief over the loss of James the past few days. Now in their absence, there was both sadness and relief, a swirl of emotions far too common and yet distinctly uncomfortable no matter how many times it's felt. The church was cold in those hours. It could have been the morning or the next evening. The light was pale and direct and disorienting. Reverend Albert went outside the building and gathered an armful of wood and brought it back inside to the back room where the iron furnace sat and began to pile in the wood. He breathed heavy, taking a moment to catch his breath, placing his hands on his knees and doubling over for a moment. The grated door remained open as he took a moment to collect himself and the embers and small flickering flames inside caught on the fuel which had been tossed in and blazed bright sending warm light out into the wavering spotlight illuminating the floor and hole into the basement by the waning and waxing light of the raging flames inside the furnace Reverend Albert could see someone kneeling on the dirt floor down the porthole with its missing trap door into the basement. This was his home, and yet, in that moment, realizing he had invited a myriad of strangers to stay indefinitely, townsfolk and neighbors all, but strangers still. A wave of goosebumps ran up his body. Descending into the basement, he hoped to find some peace of mind to see cleaning or building or something productive and normal. And as he lowered himself in, as his head and shoulders were above the floor and his body underneath, in that blind moment, a world of scenarios all ran through his mind from good to bad to downright terrible and then back to good. Setting his feet firmly on the hard-packed earth of the floor, the tall man faced into the darkness of the basement. One beside another, in two neat rows, the motley crew of seven which had assembled piecemeal over the last few days kneels, motionless on the floor. Bits of torn cloth, fashioned into blindfolds, were tied around their eyes. Their hands rested on their knees, palms up. Not a single one of them moved or made a sound except for Nathaniel, who, from the first row, 
closest to the wall and darker than the back row muttered under his breath. Reverend Albert, unsettled, edged nearer to hear the words being whispered. Whatever this was, it felt twisted and wrong. But for all the words Reverend Albert had spoken in the past few days, his throat was now tight in fear. Whatever had awoken in his chest refused to help him speak up and against this. Stepping closer, slowly. Stepping closer, still the words became clear. stepped away, not so quietly and carefully this time. Nathaniel continued to mutter his incantation or meditation or chant whatever it was over and over. Albert, feeling more like the boy he had once been as each second passed, stood in disbelief with his hand on one of the middle rungs of the crude ladder that would be his escape from the basement. What? was this? What had happened? How long had he slept and what illness had entered the little chorus of characters which had assembled at his church and been a source of hope and comfort those last few days? Something dark wriggled about in Albert. Something fearsome and terrible and all the bits of him which were human wanted to scream and shake and slap and punch each one of the townsfolk in his basement. He wanted to gag and bind Nathaniel and throw him in the river in a burlap sack like an unwanted kitten and he wanted to cry and run like a little boy. It seemed no matter how old the reverend would grow to be, he'd never lose that fear of the dark. And as he stood there, the dark and its ensemble cast turned to face him. In unison, the seven people, eyes bound, mouths still, palms turned up on their knees as Nathaniel continued, turned to face Albert. Each unseeing face bearing witness to his fear. Albert nearly leapt up the ladder, and had there been the trap door to cover the basement as there once had been, he would have slammed it shut and locked it before running to his room like a child. Still, and more so than then, than before, Reverend Albert 
was unaware of what it is that he'd set in motion, what he'd started, when he denounced his own church, and the first three men, including young Nathaniel, had come to join him at the church, standing there at his doorstep in the rain. Today's episode was written and performed by Cole Weavers. Sound production and editing by Matt Black. Our theme song is by the ever-wonderful Charlie P.S. The fort is built on secrets and shadows, on unspoken truths and the designs of the long shadows, whoever they may be. But it's also built on the support of its townsfolk. Would you like to support our tiny little monstrosity of a town by mending the roof of the church? Or keeping the doors of the sanatorium for the lost and unwanted open? Or perhaps you'd rather help build a mausoleum for the ones who will never die? In thanks for your support, and for only a few dollars a month, you'll receive episodes of The Town Whispers released early and forever ad-free as well as exclusive short stories and one-shots to expand your knowledge of what lays dormant and watching under the earth. Would you like to see, with your own frail eyes that can only see what can be imagined by the goodness of a heart drenched in humanity by receiving digital rewards of the visual variety? All this and more will be revealed on our Patreon. Please consider joining us at www.patreon.com slash the town whispers if you would like to support us in other ways please consider following us on facebook and instagram and on twitter at the town whispers or by leaving a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts for more information on the show please head on over to www.thetownwhispers.com i got the ghost of you inside of sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusion Supply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.